following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, we are uh, returning again to the book of John. If you are new at Artisan in the last year and you weren't here last week, this may be entirely new to you. But uh, for those of you who've been around longer, it's not new at all. This is the 21st week that we've spent in John over the last couple of years. Our goal has been to just, whenever we finish up with a series and don't have something to do immediately right after that, we'd go back to the book of John. And we're just going through it a little bit at a time, section by section. And we're going to do this until um, Jesus comes back in the book or in real life. (laughs) So whichever comes first. Um, That wasn't in my notes. But, um, so we've just been going through this. It's been, I, I find this to be a big blessing. This book has uh, really touched and shaped my life over the last couple of years that we've been digging into it a little bit deeper. So I'm excited that we were able to get back to it last week and this week. Um, next week we have the fifth Sunday festival party, and following that we'll begin our series on our Artisan Summer Read, which kicks us into the next ministry year and thinking about being shaped by the words of Scripture together as a community. Uh, but today we have uh, another opportunity to dive into John, and I'm going to do this in a kind of special and I hope interesting and use- useful way in a minute. But let me just set the stage for you a little bit. You may remember if you were here last week that we're in John 7, and in the first half of John 7, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, and they say up to Jerusalem. Typically, um, Jerusalem is higher elevation than other places. So if you see in the psalm like a prayer of ascent, that's a psalm for when they go up the hill to Jerusalem. Um, So they go up to Jerusalem, Jesus does, uh, to celebrate a really important Jewish festival, the Festival of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles. This is the one that, um, I don't know if Jesse's in here today. Is he teaching this morning, Jesse Pierce? Oh, there you are, Jesse. Hi. Jesse told us that sometimes he celebrates this festival with the kids when he teaches them down there because this this is where the Israelites would would, um, get intense. Not like get intense, man, but in tents, <laughs> right? Um, as a remembrance of the time when they were, as a people, wandering in the wilderness, living in, in tents um, every night. <laughs> I'm sure it was intense too, but that's not really my intention here. Um, so this is a very important festival, and Jesus goes up to Jerusalem kind of surreptitiously in a weird way. He tells his brothers he's not going to go, and then he goes, and um, he starts teaching there. And he begins to stir up some trouble because the teachers of the law, the experts in Jerusalem, don't particularly like Jesus' manner of observing or not, as the case may be, the Sabbath particularly, but all kinds of other specific intricacies of the Jewish um, legal tradition. And the main point last week was don't judge a book by its cover. Jesus says don't judge by outward appearances. Judge correctly. Judge rightly. Judge with right judgment. And the connection we made to that was to the idea of hypocrisy, which was a really interesting connection that I had never made before between judging by outward uh, um, appearances and being a hypocrite and being a legalist. Those things are actually very closely connected, and if you want to know what I'm talking about, you could, I suppose, listen to the podcast from last week. Uh, But today's story picks up right there, right after Jesus says, don't judge by outward appearances, but judge rightly, judge with right judgment. He picks up there. Um, And this part of the chapter shows one thing very clearly, which is that Jesus confuses people and causes them to disagree with one another, right? Back then he did. 
Now we are all, right, we have complete agreement about who Jesus was and wasn't. And verse 43 says this very clearly. There was division in the crowd because of him. Right. Not much has changed in this regard. The question that seems to be on everybody's mind in this particular case, in the end of chapter 7, is who is this person? Who is Jesus? Is he the Messiah? Is he the prophet that we anticipate would precede the Messiah? Is he Elijah come back? There's all kinds of speculation. Is he a, a fake? Is he a rabble-rouser? Is he a fraud? Who is Jesus? This is probably the most important question that anybody can ask. Then and now. Your answer to the question, who is Jesus, will shape your life and the direction that you take and your relationship with God and with others more than any other thing in your life, I would suggest. So what happens is in this story, there's a few different characters, or you might say groups of characters, groups of people, who respond to this question and speculate about it and answer it in different ways. And what I want to do is dive into this in in a little bit more of a Bible study teaching kind of way than in a sermonic preaching kind of way. And I would like to give each of you a chance to look at this scripture together with the people who are sitting close to you. And uh, there is no pressure here because you don't have to be a biblical expert uh, to engage in studying the Bible. And if you're a little bit shy about that, you can just kind of tuck yourself behind someone else who's talking and nobody will know. Or you can pretend, oh man, my coffee is really empty right now, and walk very slowly out to the coffee stand. (laughs) and uh, maybe say hello to some people before you come back in. It's, it, we are an introvert-safe environment here at Artisan, right? But I would encourage you to stay and be part of what happens here because it's, it's, not, um, it's not anything too scary. So what I'll do is I'll divide the room into three groups, and um, that doesn't mean that you have to circle up and talk in three groups. It just means that with the person sitting next to you or the couple people sitting next to you, you and all those in your section will be looking at the same idea. Okay? Is this making sense so far? All right. Thank you. So the first group, and I was totally confused by how this room was laid out when I was imagining it in my head. I forgot there's an aisle right here. I'm like, there's three sections. It'll work perfectly. <laughs> but no. <laughs> um, that's okay. Why don't we make the first group this section to my right and um, the first little gaggle of people in, the, in this section, you know, the first couple or, or group right there, right? The second group will be this section on the other side of the room and the first little gaggle of people in this section, right? And the third group will be all of you in between those two boundaries. And if you didn't get that right, it's okay. Studying the Bible, with, it doesn't matter which group you're in, in the, at the end of the day, all right? So what I'm going to do is assign groups of people to each one of you, each, each group, and I would like you to sit with the person you came with or the person who you ended up sitting next to um, and look at this text and answer the question, how is the group of people that I was assigned answering the most important question in the world, which is who is Jesus? What are they saying about Jesus? What are their questions about him? What are their proclamations about him? What are their judgments about him? Okay? 
So the, the group number one on this side of the room is going to read John 7, 25 through 52. We're all going to read that. It's on page uh, 896, 869 in the Red Bibles. Your, your, this first group, I want you to think about the ordinary people, right? So people who don't have special training or understanding or anything like that. Just the ordinary folks who are there for this festival, all right? How is that group of people reacting to Jesus? What are their questions and statements and so forth? Group number two on this side, I'm going to ask you to answer this question on behalf of the people who are experts or authorities in this system. How are the experts and authorities answering the question, who is Jesus? Same passage. And you people in the middle are the most godly of all, because you get to answer the question, what is Jesus saying about himself? Okay? Now, I'm not asking you to analyze this or make any theological statements. It's really just reading for comprehension, and then a few of you from each section will share with the rest of the room. Does this make sense? And um, if you're listening on the podcast right now, you can um, skip ahead five minutes, and if we're still not talking, then I'll tell you how long to skip ahead again. Right? But I'm going to give you about five minutes. I know, Ken, you can edit this, but it's more fun to do it this way. I'm going to give you five minutes. Uh, if you want to edit everything I said, starting from there, you could. You probably will. Just <laughs> be nice to the podcast listeners. You might be in your car, right? Um, five minutes. Simply read this text with the person sitting next to you or a couple people and answer how are people defining or responding to or questioning Jesus. Ordinary people on this side, authorities and experts on this side, and Jesus himself in the middle. Okay? Go to it. All right, so you've probably read through it now, and you can begin to to talk with, with those next to you. All right, why don't you finish up what you're saying if you're the person talking, and we'll call it there. While people are finishing up what they're saying, I'll remind you that this is the book that we're reading together as a community this summer. It's called The Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight. It's a book about rethinking how you read the Bible. Really wonderful resource. And what if artists all read the same book is our our concept here, and... um, We're going to start talking about it during sermons um, the first week of July, and we'll do it all through the month of July. But I'd like you to get started reading on it sooner than that. And so if you'd like to purchase copies, we have them here. They cost us $13. You can get them at our cost or less if you you need some help um, with that. That's totally fine. You can also get the audio book if you prefer that way. And I think the e-book is actually even cheaper $7, $7, Avila says right now. So um, Artisan Summer Read is The Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight. See me afterwards if you'd like to take this copy or place an order for me to order some more for you in time for next week because we have Amazon Prime and you know I'll have it by Wednesday if I order it t- today or tomorrow. So, All right, that's coming up. So, my smart little people. <laughs> Why don't we start with the ordinary people on this side? <laughs> <laughs> What did the ordinary people in Jerusalem say about who Jesus was? And uh, it would be helpful if you're going to quote something to call out the verse number so that those who were looking at other groups can, can find it in their Bibles. 
Who will be brave and speak first? Yes. They're really concerned about where he is from. Right. Is he Galilean or not Galilean? Is he from Henrietta or not? Right. <laughs> right. At one point they say, we know where this guy's from. It's, our belief is that we won't know where the Messiah is coming from. Right? Are you scowling for a reason? Yeah. Yeah. They're confused trying to um, make sense of what the scripture says versus what this man is doing. And what I thought you were going to say, and I'm sorry I tried to, to pull you in my direction, is that there's another place in there where they say, we do know where he's from. Um, and we're supposed to know, we're not supposed to know where he's from. And then there's a time when they say um, the opposite. Did you catch that? He's supposed to be from Bethlehem. And then the other, time, the other people are saying, well, we're not supposed to know where he's from, right? Very interesting. Uh, the distinction there, by the way, and I did see this hand back here, and I'll come to you in just a second. The distinction, if you look at it, uh, in, in the first case, it says, some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, verse 25, is not this the man who they're trying to kill? And they're the, they're the ones who say, when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. They're the people who are from Jerusalem. Now, this festival is very important. So there's Jewish people scattered throughout the, it's called the dispersion or the diaspora, all through this Greco-Roman world coming to Jerusalem to observe this festival. And it's some of the outsiders from Jerusalem who later say, he's supposed to be from Bethlehem, but this guy isn't. Actually, he is, but they don't realize it. So, yeah, they're, they're confused deeply. There isn't consensus, right? What were you going to say? So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, particularly in 40 and 41, they're trying to decide if he is the Messiah or if he's just, um, as is a common statement nowadays, a great teacher, a great preacher, as you said. Thank you. Yes. Anything else that that the ordinary people said? Yeah, Tim. Yeah. There he is. Openly speaking. Yeah. Right. Right. So they they know that there's this this plot in place because they're the ones who are from Jerusalem. They're aware of what's going on, that that the authorities are trying to kill him. But he's there in plain sight and the authorities aren't doing anything, so they start to wonder, well, maybe the authorities actually know that he is the Messiah. They're not telling us. They're probably the conspiracy theorists, right? <laughs> the, Be- <laughs> the Bethlehem truthers, please. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else before we move on to uh, the, the real authorities over here? What are the people in authority and the so-called experts saying about 
who Jesus is. Yes, Doug. <laughs> they are not confused. Yeah. Yeah, they cl- So 47 Surely you not have been de- you have not been deceived too, have you? So Jesus is a deceiver. That's the first thing you said. Yeah. Right. 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 So you get the, the authorities who sent the police after him saying, oh, did he deceive you too? But the authorities who are the police who were sent after him sort of got there and forgot all about what they were supposed to be doing, didn't they? Right? Because they were captivated by his teaching. That sometimes happens to us. We come to Jesus with some idea of what we're supposed to be doing and suddenly it's like, whoa, I hadn't thought about it that way. And then you lose track of your, your goal <laughs> to deconstruct him or arrest him, metaphorically speaking. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So there's, there, there apparently is some level of intrigue, yeah. The text says his time hadn't come, but maybe they're kind of like biding their time and waiting to see what else he has to say. Yeah, that's a good observation. Thank you. Other authorities and experts, what do they say? Yes, Jesse. I mean, 27 Yeah. They're saying that Jesus didn't fit into their system. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and they take it as proof that he's a fraud, the fact that none of the Pharisees believe in him. <laughs> Who does believe in him, right? These slack-jawed yokels on this side of the room, right? <laughs> this crowd, half of whom aren't even in Jerusalem from day to day, let's be honest, they shop at Sam's Club, right? They don't even support the town. And they're, they're the ones who believe in him. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah, well, it's closer to the truth than you might think there, right? <laughs> they're tired of Greek on their ATMs, right? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a really, that's a, like a political or religious joke. It's very obscure. <laughs> Which is why you all opted it, because you're bigger nerds than I am. Is it true, actually, experts, that none of the Pharisees believe in Jesus? Who, who believes in him, or at least is... Huh? Nicodemus, that's right. I love what Nicodemus does here. See, he's in the crowd of people, the group of people, not the crowd, the group of people, the insiders, who are supposed to think and teach that Jesus is a fraud. And yet he is the one who in John chapter 3 had gone up, snuck away at night to ask Jesus some questions. And this is where Jesus starts talking about you have to be born from above. Born, and he's like, how can I be born a second time? And then he starts talking about something else. And it's, it's an awesome conversation in John 3. If you've never read it, picture yourself as Nicodemus asking the questions that he asks Jesus in John 3 and receiving the answers that Jesus gives, which have nothing to do, he doesn't think, with the questions he's been asking. It's, it's classic Jesus. It's, that's, so, that's so Jesus. Right? 
But Nicodemus, in this case, having already had that, that rooftop midnight conversation with Jesus, um, where it kind of took the top of his head off, he sort of steps in and says, wait a second, everybody. Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? In verse 51. So he's, he's kind of sticking up for Jesus using his little piece of authority. It's interesting. I, I, be like Nicodemus. He's, a good, he's one of the good ones. Anything else? All right. My middle of the room people. You who uh, were asked to report on what Jesus said about himself. What did you find? Hmm. Yeah. So lots of opposites and contradictions in what, in what Jesus is saying. Um, you know me, but you don't know who sent me. You'll search for me, you can't find me. I'm going away, you can't go there. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? Say that again. Talking about water that isn't water. Where's your verse reference there? 37. Here's something very interesting. Uh, what is that? That verse starts out with what phrase? On the last day of the festival. Now, I know that you all know what happens on the last day of the festival of booths, but some of the people on the podcast might not, and so I'm going to tell them. On the last day of the festival of booths or tabernacles, they would have this grand ceremony where they would go and fill jars of water from the pool of Siloam, which we're going to see in John chapter 9 when we get there, and bring them in to the temple. Symbolic of those times in the wilderness when they were in tents and were thirsty, and God brought forth water from a rock for them. It's a symbolic reminder that the water is provided by God, uh, that God took care of all their needs when they were... When they were uh, thirsty and hungry and so forth. Now you have to picture this. The big climax of the ceremony, the several day festival, is taking place. It's a week long thing. And, and they're bringing the water in and Jesus is standing there as the jars go by yelling out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me <laughs> and let the one who believes in me drink. He is saying something very, very significant here. We don't get it because we don't know, you know, we've never done the Festival of Booths Jerusalem style, right? This is a remarkable statement. It's one of several things that I think Jesus says in here that, that give the lie to the idea that, well, Jesus never said anything. He never said he was God. Okay, I'm, I'm stepping on your, I'm stealing your thunder here. Middle, middle people, what else did Jesus say about himself? Shane.
And your verse reference was where? On that? 28. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is a very helpful thing sometimes to go to other translations and see how, how if translators phrased this and worded it, it can kind of jog our, our imaginations and minds on that. And you don't have to know the original language to be, you know, to, to make use of those other translations. Anybody else in the middle here? Uh, I saw your hand actually before, Anna. Go ahead. He's emphasizing at the same time both his otherness and his willing to connect with, you know, these people. <laughs> um, Elliot, yes. That's a great observation. That that's some of what he's saying there seems a little cryptic. And is he being cryptic because he's trying to be respectful of the name of God, or is he being cryptic on purpose, or are we just not seeing something there? Yeah. When he starts talking about, um, you know me and you know where I'm from. I've not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true, and you don't know him. I know him. You know, it's kind of like this. Whoa, <laughs> slow down, Jesus. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's playing twenty questions. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean it, as I said with the the Nicodemus encounter in John three, it's just like sometimes he doesn't seem to give you the answer that you want. Come on, Jesus. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. call that uh, Jesus judo because he, because he uses their own direction and kind of redirects it, right? Um, as opposed to 
Jesus boxing, which sometimes with the Pharisees, as you say, he's really just throwing punches. But so often he's using what they say and drawing them a little bit closer and a little bit closer, you know, kind of like when, you're, when you're, your son or daughter is learning how to walk or if you have friends or family who you've seen this routine, right, where they, they step up and you're, it's so cruel, you're tricking them, right? They're gonna ta- they, think that they know they can take one step, so they take one step to try to grab you and you, you just slowly back away. You're still there. You'll catch them probably if they fall. <laughs> But that's how they learn to take additional steps. It's very, it, it draws them through. Um, we'll do one more because we're, we're late here, so we should wrap up. Cheryl. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah, I think that's, that, that goes to Elliot's point a little bit, too. If he had been that direct in that moment, yes, I'm the Messiah, um, that might have, you know, that might have changed the, the response. <laughs> from everybody Um, yeah well regardless of what ordinary people say or what experts say you have to listen to what Jesus says about himself and determine for yourself even today in a post-Jewish post-modern reality who do I say Jesus is I think it was the most important question of the day for the people in Jerusalem at the Festival of Booths. I also think it's the most important question for the people in this room right now, this instant. And so who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus according to your understanding? Do you know? Are you confused? Are you convinced that he's not who he said he is? Are you intrigued? and wanting to ask him more, but feeling a little frustrated because he's not telling you everything exactly in the words that you're hoping that he will. All of those places are okay places to be at Artisan, by the way. Um, and hopefully you're, you're, you begin to, to shift your response to that of the, of the kid learning how to walk, right? Um. <laughs> That is a real shame. <laughs> yes. I, uh, yes, GPS signal lost. <laughs> we will let the Samsung Galaxy uh, S5 have the last word this morning. <laughs> it's so awesome, I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> um, well, I had made my point, hadn't I? <laughs> the question you must ask is, who is Jesus? <laughs> you will find one answer at the table here, and I invite you now to come and respond to the word of God being proclaimed by your brothers and sisters by receiving this meal, which means so much more than just what it looks like on the surface, the bread and the wine. Um, Jesus is really present in these elements at this table, and you can experience him now. Um, Anybody who's following Jesus or really kind of trying to toddle toward him, whether you think you're good at it or not, is welcome to this table. Uh, I invite you to come and receive. You can tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the wine or the juice. You don't even have to understand every little thing about sacramental theology. Imagine that. If Jesus was here saying, eat, and you would say, yes, I'm in, come to the table. Receive this spiritual food for your soul. Um, we'll probably cut a song here because we have a meeting to, to run right after our service. Um, but we'll sing one more song together and uh, 
respond to the Spirit's call in your life, whatever it might be. And if you'd like prayer, you can receive that here. You can put something on an info card. If you have comments or questions or anything going on in your heart that you'd like to share with me or with our staff or leadership team, please put that on an info card or catch us afterwards. Um, But respond to the Spirit's call in your life. Let's continue to worship Him together. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.